We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. We're trying to cool it down in here. So y'all stay with us. Just reminds us of the time, like Bishop said, when there was no air conditioning. If you ever, I, I grew up in the country, and there were times where we didn't have air conditioning, and that, you know, matter of fact, an attic fan was it. Do y'all know what an attic fan is? Okay. Yeah. Window fan. Attic fan was this. It was, it was in the, it was huge. It was usually in the hallway in your house, and it was, it was mounted in the ceiling, and you open your windows, but you better have screens. Otherwise, you're going to suck all the bugs in. But that attic fan would draw air through every window, and that was your air conditioning. That was your air conditioning. So, and if you imagine being in southeast Texas around Houston, where it's 95% humidity 95% of the time. So, as we were talking, listen, not to, not to, if, if, if it being a little too warm make, gives you a little heartburn about God, can you imagine what it would be like going to hell? So just, yeah, so be happy. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy. Second Timothy chapter 3, we're going to continue to talk about Bible study tools, and I want to address a couple of things we started last, or ended with last week, and then move into, I'm going to kind of backtrack a little, just a little bit, and again, talk about how to study because I'm getting a lot of pushback or a lot of questions about, okay, I understand that I need to study, but really, how do you do it? Because that's the critical point. You know, if someone tells you how to, tells you to do something, but they never tell you how, it's kind of, I had a manager when I worked for Home Depot uh, uh, that would always tell me, listen, you, you can't inspect what you don't expect. You have to give an expectation before you ever come inspect it. If you, if you inspect somebody over something you've never given them the expectation, that's wrong. You know, if I, if I said everybody here needs to be wear blue next week, you got to wear blue. If that was my expectation, but I never told you that, and then next week you showed up looking like you do today, which you look gorgeous, but you weren't wearing blue, and then I got all over you for not wearing blue, understand something we you know there's that's why studying is important so we're going to look at second timothy 3 10 through 11 in just a minute uh there's a couple of things i want to address or talk about that we maybe i don't need to write them we asked the question last week you know we've been talking about bible study words bible study chapters bible study verses bible study bible books um there are phrases that are used in christendom today that not necessarily are wrong in their intent but they're incorrect in their biblical principle they're not wrong in their intent but they're incorrect in the biblical principle and the worst thing you can do is have to come before someone and trying to explain biblical principle to them using words that aren't that aren't of content in other words they're the words i made up they're, they're the phrases that i made up but they're going to express to you what the bible says Who's going to listen to that? I, I would never sit and listen to somebody that said, listen, I'm going to tell you what you need to do, but I'm going to tell you in the terms that I made up. That's not very convincing, is it? That's why that we, when we talk to people about Bible, we need to talk to them about Bible, not personal. Print, not personal. So, so we used a term last week. We talked about a term last week. So we'll bring that term up first. Now, first of all, I, Pastor Don's not doing this to offend anyone. 
We all come from different backgrounds. We come from different training. We come from different teachings and those kind of things. But our whole process here is that we want to increase our understanding and our knowledge of Scripture so that we can increase our understanding and knowledge of God, right? That's, that's why, why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're learning how to study the Bible for ourselves. So any, what I say to you is not meant to, to uh, hurt your feelings. Uh, Wednesday night we talked a little bit, and one, one of the problems that America has is, is that America has become very thin-skinned. You know, you, you, in, in the 1960s, I can remember this, in the 1960s and 70s, you could have disagreements in your church, in your family, in, amongst your co-workers, and you could disagree agreeably. When it was over, people shook hands, and they're like, okay, well, you got your, I understand where you're coming from, and I, here's where I'm coming from, and maybe we don't agree, but let's, let's just keep going. Today, when you disagree with somebody, it's like you pulled a gun to their head. It's like you called their mama fat. It's like, you know, people get upset, and, and then, that, then they don't want to have any handshaking. They don't want to have any neck loving. They don't want to, you know, hey, you're, you're now a hater, and you're my enemy. These are church folk. I'm not talking about the liberals against the conservatives. I'm talking about church folk. And so we have to get over those things and understand we're not going to all agree on things, but there's principle in the Scripture we do have to agree on, right? There's principle in Scripture we do have to agree on. So one of the things that we talked about last week, does anybody remember I told you to go home and study it and look at it? Anybody? Pray through to the Holy Ghost. Okay. So did you find in the Scripture for me? Okay. Did anybody else look in the Scripture to find for me where we pray through to the Holy Ghost? You sure? Now, boy, it got quiet on me. <laughs> you didn't even look, but you're pretty sure? Or you're absolutely sure? Okay. Anybody else? Did you take a chance? To did you get a look? Did you? Okay. It's a term that we've used uh, primarily in the apostolic, Pentecostal, uh, Word of Faith movements. It's kind of where it's, it derived in the Word of Faith movement. Now, again, I don't, I don't want to point fingers at people, but, but we do have to understand where things are, or, or things that aren't principled actually come from. Where they come from, because when you know, you know, <clears throat> listen, if you want to know where you're going, look where you came from. If you want to know where you're going, look where you came from, because it's very important. And so the, the pray through to the Holy Ghost is a term that we've used quite often. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've said it. A thousand? Ten thousand? We understand that there's a principle behind that, right? That we want people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But if I'm talking to someone that's not in the apostolic, Pentecostal, that type of movement, when you tell them that, they have no clue what you're talking about. And so now, now let's explain that. So let's explain that with Bible. Somebody explain to me. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Explain to me, Bible-wise, what it means to pray through to the Holy Ghost. Okay, see? Because you really can't, can you? There's a principle of people that receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Scripture. <clears throat> When you read about people receiving the Holy Ghost in Scripture, you find something that's continuum in all of these things, and, and it's the fact that Jesus is being mentioned. 
They talked about, while Peter yet spake these words, what words? Well, he was telling them about how to receive the Holy Ghost. No, he was telling them about being baptized in Jesus' name. No, while he spake what words? Well, he told them the story of Jesus. And so the Holy Ghost fell when Jesus is the main focus and principle. And so a lot of what we've seen, man, I know I'm some of you, I can feel it. I can feel it. We get in an altar, and there's things that we would say and do to people trying to get them to pray through to the Holy Ghost when, in fact, all we need to do is get in the presence of Jesus. All we got to do is bring, bring, you know, and how do you, get, how do you bring the presence of Jesus? The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. And so that, that's really the principle behind it. So my question would be, what am I praying through? Well, I'm praying through my life. I'm praying through my problems. I'm praying, well, the origin of this, I'm going to move on. The origin of this back in the early 1900s was the basis of it was that praying through the Holy Ghost simply meant that a person stood at an altar with you and through the power of their faith and their prayer and through the power that they existed in them, the Holy Ghost fell on you. Because in the principle of where that came from, the principle behind it is that our, our prayers have power. Do our prayers have power? Do our prayers have power? Okay, our prayers hold power. Our prayers hold power. And they hold power when our, when our prayers are done through principles of Scripture. When you pray outside principles of Scripture, then your prayer holds no power. It's simply words. And so in the beginning in this origin of the thing we're talking about, praying through, was that this particular group, oh, i got to be careful here, this particular group said that, listen, God is obligated by His Word and bound by His Word that if I pray this prayer, He has to do it because of the power of my prayer. And we know that is very, very anti-scriptural. God is not obligated to anything or any one of us. As a matter of fact, He's not even obligated to His own Word. He is the Word. He's not obligated to. He's not obligated to do anything. But the principle behind this saying or this word, this now some of us think, well, this is just words being said. But listen, it's okay till we get out of the church and we try to explain this to someone. And so it's better to take the principles of what happened in Scripture. And, and if you want to pray with somebody, when Paul was in Corinth, what did he do? Hey, you guys, you see the Holy Ghost since you believed. Well, we never heard of that. Oh, how were you baptized? Well, we were baptized by John the Baptist unto repentance. Oh, okay, well, let me rebaptize you then. They baptized him, rebaptized him in the name of the Lord. And when he laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. He, he didn't say a word. He didn't reel and rock. He didn't stand on one say, let go, and on the other side, hold on. The term praying through to the Holy Ghost uh, can we just say it's a loose term that we need to be careful with? Because what it entails is the fact that we were able to bring that person to the presence of God by praying them, by us. It brings a point to us. You know, we, in, the, in the group that I came from, we were notorious. We all did this. We all said, man, we had this revival, and we prayed 50 people through to the Holy Ghost. We didn't do anything but worship the Lord if that happened. God did the Holy Ghost thing. Y'all follow what I'm saying? So I don't want that, that's a long lesson. I just want okay, what was the other one that we plead the blood? Plead the blood. You ever did that? I have. Some of you 
say, act like you've never done it before. I can tell in your face you have. I can tell by the look on your face you're mad about that we're going to talk about it. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit last week. Listen, why is Pastor Don talking about this stuff? Because study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not be ashamed. Needeth not be ashamed. We need to, be, we need to study to show ourselves approved. And when we give an account of, of Jesus Christ to people, that's what we're giving an account to. Not of ourselves, but of Jesus Christ. It's great to give your testimony, but, but most testimonies in the Scripture happen as writings to the church. Paul's testimony, of it, think about it for a second. Paul's testimony of what happened to him was primarily writings to the church. People that were already in the church. He wasn't testifying to them to get them to become saved. Is that you, understanding what the term saved is? Okay. He wasn't doing that. That was to the, the so our testimonies. We should walk in here with testimonies to one another about what God has done for us this week. But, but our testifying is of Jesus Christ out there. Our testifying is not of what he's done for us. You know what? We can talk all day long about what he's done for us after we, because you know what? Uh, what he's done for us will be meaningless to them until they have an experience with him. Then it all changes. I had, you know, listen, I had Pentecostal people tell me before I came into the church, tell me all of what God's, the healings they saw, this and this and that, was meaningless to me because I didn't have that experience. So that was your word against mine, and that was your experience against mine. But once I had an experience with God that was biblical, then it all began to take meaning. So what we have to understand is that when we're, test, we're testifying of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, burial, his resurrection. And so the pleading the blood thing, again, stems from the same group who once again says that when you plead, it's not like you're begging, but it's not like a lawyer that's in court that pleads your case. So it's not necessarily that you're begging, but you're stating your case before. But here's the thing. What is the purpose of the blood? Wash away our sins. What else is the purpose of the blood? So the blood covers us. It's okay. Come on, listen. Don't be afraid. We're church folk. We love one another. We're here to get. Let's talk about it. Correct. I plead the blood over my kids as they go to school. I plead the blood over my job as I go to work. I plead the blood over so and so, so and so. You're asking for that the the power that's in the blood to cover, cover me from not having an accident going to, let's just use that, makes it easy, for not going to work. God, I plead the blood over me driving today that I won't have an accident, okay? Let's make an easy one, okay? So it's a covering. So it's this term stems back to this particular group who goes back to when the Jews were in bondage and they were held captive uh, by the Egyptians. And so the last plague that came was the plague of death. And so they would take the blood and they would cover the doorposts and once they covered the doorpost, the angel of death would pass by, and if the was covered, so that's where the covering thought process comes from. So you're covered by the blood, correct? So when is the blood applied to your life? When you plead it. When is it applied to your life? When you're born again. Somebody. Somebody said, yeah, when is the blood applied to your life? 
I'm not scratching my back. The Bible says that when we are baptized in the name of Jesus, it is for the remission. That word remission is the washing, and the blood is the washing of sin. As we go through Scripture, we see it. And so being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, as everybody in Scripture was baptized, is when the blood is applied. So if the blood is applied to my life, why would God quit covering me until I plead Him and ask Him to cover me today? Once you've done this, you're covered for good. You don't need to ask to be covered anymore. Does that make sense? You're covered. Correct. Correct. That's what the blood does. The blood is the blood in the Old Testament was for what? To pass over death. To free them from death. The blood and the sacrifice was for what? To push sins forward until the perfect sacrifice came. The blood of Jesus is for what? It's for the cleansing of your soul to remove sin from your life. That is the purpose of the blood. So you've got to go to the purpose of it. So if you understand the purpose of the blood, the purpose of the blood is not, well, well, it protected them from the angel of death. No. Their obedience. Their obedience. Their obedience to the Word of God by putting the blood over their doorpost is what kept them from being destroyed by the angel of death. Their act of obedience. had They could have slain the lamb, eaten the lamb, but not put the blood over the doorpost. They would not have been, the firstborn would have died. But it's the act of obedience. And the scripture says that's what water baptism is. It's an act of obedience. People say, that's a work. You don't not say by works. Well, let's see. Repentance is a work. But unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. Well, let's see. Receiving the Holy Ghost is a work. Oh, yes, it is. What happens? You don't do it silently. Something happens. Okay, understand this. The work, don't get hung up on the word work. Don't get hung up at all. Understand that we don't. there's not a necessity. And the reason that this group, man, I'm getting way past. The reason that this group did this, because it actuated the power that they hold within themselves to have their words that they used gave them power to exercise authority over things, okay? Their word that they used gave them, okay, so I believe that when you exercise the word of God, you have power and authority over things, right? You, would you agree with me? Exercising the word of God. Plead the blood is not the word of God. It's nowhere in the word of God. It's nowhere prominent in the word of God. It's never spoken in the word of God. It's never used in the Word of God. So I'm not going to use that phrase. If I, want, if I want protection from my drive to work today, on my way when I get up, when I'm praying as Lord, as I'm on my work today, watch over me today. I don't have to plead or I don't have to go, go have a case before the throne. Now, God, I didn't do too good last week, but I'm going to do better this week, so would you watch over me? Because that's really what that's about, okay? Anybody, any question? I didn't really spend this much time, but I'm making a case in point of something. A lot of times in Christendom, we use phrases and words that seem okay. But if they have no biblical principle, then to go outside of the church and use them is to bring confusion to lives because you can't explain them biblically. If you can't explain it biblically, you're just going to bring confusion. It's going to further damage rather than... Is that, this is Sunday school, y'all. Lighten up. Everybody's... 
Like, you can be mad at me right now. That's okay. You got to take it up with him. Take it up with him. Second Timothy chapter 3. Let's read verses 10 through 17. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But even men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 is very important because look what it actually says. From a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. What's able to make you wise? All right. Unto salvation. What makes you wise unto salvation? Thank you. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So it's through word that you, you, you get salvation. It's not through a pastor. It's not something that I say or do to you in an altar. I don't tell you you did or didn't did get this. I didn't, it's through the Scripture. This is important. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God, that man is humankind, may be perfect. That word perfect doesn't mean without sin. It means mature, complete, adult, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So I kind of want to take a step back here uh, about studying the Bible because there seems to be some questions about when we're studying, how do we actually do that? So many of us have been in the kingdom for several years, but we haven't learned to adequately study the Word. Many of us read the Word, and listen, before you ever study it, you got to read it, right? That makes sense. So you got to read what you're looking, you know, so, but we don't study it. It doesn't say read to show thyself approve or workman unto God. It, it says study. So, so let's talk about this again. So studying seems to be a little hard to do, doesn't it? Would you agree with me? Studying can be hard, arduous sometimes, difficult. Uh, it's difficult to manage. Studying is also time-consuming. Studying is time-consuming. It doesn't matter what you're studying. It's going to consume your time. So Bible study is going to be a time-consumer. Uh, sometimes it's just plain too much to take on. You know what? i got other stuff to do. Studying is the last thing I can do. The thing about God is God's very forgiving. But your job, your boss is not. And so sometimes we'll put things ahead of God because we know our boss will fire us, but God won't fire us. But understand something. It's God who holds your boss in his hands. My God's a heathen, or my boss is a heathen. It doesn't matter. God's going to hold them in their hand. God has everything in control. When we're convinced that God has everything in control and that God has the best for us, He wants the good for us, then we can, then we can learn to study God's Word. Then we can learn to study God's Word. So the first question you have to ask is, how do I actually read my Bible? And that doesn't mean how do I read it by verse. It means do, do I do it out of duty? Do you read your Bible out of duty? 
It's something I have to do. I'm going to read 10 verses today, you know, if, if, if it kills me. I'm going to read those 10 verses, and I'm going to go to sleep. If it, if it just kills me, I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to eat dinner. If it kills me, I'm gonna, is that how we study our Bible? Is that how we read our Bible? Uh, do I just read a verse, a chapter, and then just close it? I can get it read pretty quick. You know what? I'll go to where it says Jesus wept. That's one verse. Mm, that, you know, and so I can get five in there, and then I can close it and be done, and I, I feel good about what I, I can check the box. I did it. Is that how we read our, is that how we study? I only read it when I need to because it's just not that interesting. Have you ever found the Bible not interesting? Just read the begats. That's not real interesting. <laughs> but listen, the begats are there for a reason like anything else in the Bible. The begats show the promise of God. The begats show that the lineage that Jesus came through, that's the purpose of the begats. God made a promise in the beginning, and every begat is God saying, I promised, I promised, I promised, I promised, I promised. And it goes all the way down to when Jesus shows up. And he says, see, I promised. So it may, you know, because of our culture, we need things to be uh, interesting. And I'm going to use this word because it's the right word, entertaining. Because a lot of church has become entertaining. Entertaining. What did you learn at church today? Not a whole lot, but, man, I was sure entertained. Man, they did this. They said that. Well, what did they say? Well, I don't know, but it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. I clapped for it. Well, then what did you clap for? Well, I don't know, but it was sure entertaining. And that's a lot of what church is about today. Sad to say. It's entertainment. And listen, there's nothing wrong with being entertained, but that's not what this is about. This, you know, as children, you're entertained in eating chips. You're entertained in eating chocolate ice cream. And it's funny, when you get older, you revert back to that. I've noticed that about myself. But I understand something. You have parents that say, listen, I realize that's entertaining to you, but you know what? You're going to not grow up correctly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to put you on some meat and some vegetables. I'm going to have to teach you how you should eat. And that's what Bible study is about. God wants to show you what's good for you. Not pastor. You know, I've got an hour or two hours on a Sunday and maybe one on a Wednesday for those of you that come. And uh, that's it. Out of 168 hours, i got three hours. There's no way. You ever heard that person, I'm leaving the church. I'm just not getting fed here. You ever heard that? As a pastor, I've heard that. I'm leaving. I'm not getting fed. Usually a person's not getting fed, usually, because they're not pulling up to the table. It's not that the food's not there. It's that they've made a decision. Either they don't pull up to the table, or I I don't like broccoli. Yeah, yeah. The food, yeah, I don't like what I'm getting fed. Because spinach ain't too good but you know a big fat juicy steak is really good with mashed potatoes and gravy that's good chicken fried steak that's great you know and all that but yeah uh broccoli carrots peas yeah so and that's usually the case not all the time sometimes you can be the pastor not saying it can't but understand this you know your your learning of scripture and the word has to come from outside what happens here this is a challenge to you this is a challenge. Then the challenge has to be met. You go and you research it and you look at it. You know, uh, I went for years never going through the week having my pastor teach me something or preach something and never going back and seeing it. Number one, is that in the Bible? If, it, if, it had, if I had done that, plead the blood would have left me a long time ago. Praying somebody through to the Holy Ghost would not have been a part of my verbiage. Had I just heard that and went and researched it, you know what? 
Don was too lazy. This is Don. I'm not saying you. Don't get mad at me. Don was too lazy. He liked the fact that he liked his pastor. His pastor was a good, good preacher, cornbread preacher, good preacher. And he would tell you things, and you felt good when you left. Yeah, I like that. I like chocolate ice cream. I still like it. You can tell. Nothing wrong with chocolate ice cream. Eat it when it's proportionate. Eat it when it's... And for goodness sakes, don't fill the bowl up with chocolate ice cream. Man, and <laughs> the bowl of chocolate ice cream in Christendom today is running, overflowing. Now, Pastor Don's not against good, preaching the good things of God to you, that God's going to bless you. I'm not against that. But if that bowl is all I'm going to give you, the first time you run into what Paul just said, Paul said it, I didn't say it. Paul said this, that, you know what, if you're going to be living for God, you're going to have persecution. If I just feed you ice cream, the first time persecution comes along, you're going to fall apart. So we got to feed here. A little, and so understand this about your Bible study. Don't just study the blessings of God. Those are fantastic. Don't just study the promises of God. Study them. They're fantastic. But study the persecutions of Paul. Study the persecutions of Jesus Christ. Get the, whole, get the full meal. That's what studying the Word is about. It's not pick and choose. The reason, again, we have so many denominations is that we've taken a knife and, or a pen. Or we've underlined, I like this one, and this one, I, I just cut that one out of there because I didn't, I didn't like the taste of that. And we, we just, so studying is very important uh, and, and what we do and how we do it. Maybe there's a reason you have trouble understanding what the Bible's saying. Do you have trouble understanding sometimes what the Bible is saying? Yeah, me too. Yes, me too. Sometimes. You know, there's a reason why I don't understand it. It's simple. I haven't studied it. Once I study it, then I begin to understand it. Listen, a lot of what you read you don't understand because you haven't studied it. It makes no sense to you because you haven't studied it. You haven't taken it, broken it down. Studying means you're going to look at what happened previous to what's being said, after what's being said, who the writer is talking to, what they're talking about, why they're talking about it. When you do this, when you're studying your Bible, all of a sudden the Bible begins to make sense to you. It begins to open up. It begins to grow. It's like a rose that all of a sudden it starts blossoming open. And the things that you... You know, I remember going to church when I was, this all began to happen to me at Spring Tabernacle. And I began to talk to all these people about this stuff. They just smiled at me. You know why? They had already been there and done that. And they were happy for Brother Don. He finally, he's finally getting it. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not. But listen, there are people that before me that studied. And they, were, they showed the happy and the joy because they understood. For the first time now, Don's not just reading his Bible. He wants to know what it says. Any of you own a car? Y'all don't own a car? I do. It's not a trick question. Do any of you own a car? You know what comes with a car? How many of you consider yourself driving that car to, to pretty much the best of your ability as that car is made? You, you can, yeah, I'm pretty good. Have you read the manual? Because I can tell you about half of what you're doing driving that car is wrong by the manual. 
If you're driving a Ford, you know what they tell you? When you go get an oil change, use only Ford Craftsman oil. Don't use Pennzoil. Don't use Quaker State. You know why they tell you that? Oil is oil. It's all about, you know, if you ever look, Craftsman oil is about three times the price of Pennzoil. So they're making money off of it. But what they're telling you is this is the best way Ford built this truck, Ford sold this truck, Ford designed it, engineered it, and so Ford tells you this is how it should be operated. Now, when you choose to operate it differently, that's okay. But understand this. If you do that and it breaks down and you go back to Ford, you know what questions they're going to ask you? What did it say in the, thank you, the manual? What does it say in the manual? That's what your Bible is. And if you're not studying it, not just reading it, because I can tell you, you can't read a car manual and remember all of it. It's too, too much stuff. You can't read the Bible and remember all of it. Too much stuff. But when you study it, boom, it, it locks into your head. It locks into your brain. All right, let's keep going. So you're looking at me like, okay, is this too elementary? I'm sorry. I'll move quickly if it's too elementary. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to talk to you elementary-wise. I'm really not. But there has to be an understanding here. Otherwise, we miss what we're doing. Listen, when you're studying, again, we've talked about it. A commentary, what's a commentary? Somebody's comments on the, what's been said. So there are very many different commentaries. Okay, commentaries are good because a commentary, a lot of times when I use a commentary, I'm not so much interested in the comments about what this person believes that scripture means. But I look at, okay, the commentary usually will tell me, okay, during this time, uh, this was going on in the history of Israel. And th during this time, Israel was under this captivity, or Israel had been free. It gives me this historical information. It gives me this commentary. Not all commentaries do that, but some do. So commentaries are good. Find yourself a good commentary when you're studying to give you a, a description of what's happening at the present time. Man, is it getting hot in here, or is it just me? <clears throat> Have you created your own study guide? You know, I don't study like you, and you don't study like me, and we don't study like all three. We all study different. Create your own study guide. What does that mean? It's a book of questions and answers. How many of you have questions about God's Word? How many have written them down in a study guide? It could be a, you know, spiral notebook, study guide. You've written them down. You haven't? Well, if you're like Pastor Don, hopefully you're not, in about three weeks you'll forget the question. Write things down, questions that you have. As well, when you find the answer, write it down. Do you know why a bank has you sign when you buy a car? I'm going to slide something here on you. I also may disagree with me. But I talked to a banker about this, and he said, look, here's the real thing why we have you sign this agreement that you're going to pay these payments. Your signature really holds no value in court. But what this does is it imprints in your mind that you agree to do it. And he said, you know what? It works pretty good because people more normally pay their payments when they sign. It's because they've made a commitment. And that's what happens. When you write stuff down, you are going beyond the norm. You're making a commitment. How many of you have a notebook that has questions and answers in it? If you do that, you've gone beyond the norm. You've made a commitment now to God's Word. Not only am I going to read it, 
but I'm going to study it, and I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to get the answers. That's a commitment. That's how you study the Bible. Man, this, see, I told you that it's time-consuming. It's very time-consuming, isn't it? None of us are liking this, I can tell. <laughs> this is what preachers are supposed to do. Y'all, will you all agree? Please say you agree. You know, preachers should do this, right? So when, I got you. <laughs> Jesus said to the disciples and all those that followed him that we're to go and say it. Come on. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's every Christian. So now are preachers, is this what preachers are supposed to do? What I just said. Do you like that, Jesse? Pulled that right in there, didn't I? <laughs> we're all supposed to be doing this. This is how we study. If we're just reading, re- listen, I'm not bemoaning, if you will, reading. But if you're just reading, you're not getting the scope of what God's saying to you. You're not getting the scope. And listen, you can do this, I'm telling you. Obviously, studying helps us to better understand, doesn't it? That's why we study anything we do. You know, I remember the courses they gave out when IBM came on the, on the scene. They were giving out courses to the, to the public. They were selling them. Because we got these computers coming out, and we want you to take this course. And if your business is going to use a computer, we want you to take this course. And, but, you know, there is a reason they put the course out. So you know how to operate the computer. There, there's a reason you study. There's a reason you take a course here. You learn how to operate this thing. God's Word should be operating in our lives. God's Spirit should be operating in our lives. And so it, it's, it, the more we understand, the better, easier it is. I'm computer illiterate. You know why? I've never studied it. I've watched people do it, and I do my little hand-picking, and I'll, I've watched other people. But I've never taken a computer course, and it's obvious if you ever watch me. But if I were to ever take one, do you know how that would improve Pastor Don's life on a computer? But Don is too stinking it's okay, you can tell me. Lazy. If it ever comes to a point where me operating a computer invades my life to a point where it hurts me, then Pastor Don's going to get unlazy and take a computer course. That's how we operate, even in God. Until it just hits us between the eyes, sometimes we just don't take the course. We'll just, we'll be okay with our handpicking, you know, here and there. So, uh, Listen, when you study, it causes you to find things and examine things you've never seen before. You ever done that? You've read something, you study it, and you're like, I really didn't know what that meant. But now I know what it means. You never forget it. If I tell you, you're going to forget in two weeks. What did Pastor Don preach three weeks ago? Don't feel bad. I don't remember either. Bishop can remember what he preached January the 7th, 1976. I, I don't know how he does that. But he, he can do it. I'm fantastic. Uh, Pastor Don doesn't have that kind of a brain. It doesn't function that way. And so I don't remember what I preached through. You know why? For me, it's because that was the word for my day that day. That was our word for the day. And I'm not saying anything bad about Bishop. He just has the ability to do that. Maybe, see, I need to tap into that. <laughs> learn whatever he's doing. So studying helps us to learn the relevance of what the Scripture means for us today. Many a reason we don't study the Bible is because it happened to them then. 
It was about them then. It, ha- it, it, was a, it was relevant to their life that day. And so when you study, you find out that there's a relevance to every scripture in your life today. It was made for today. It's important for today. That's why studying is important. That's why we do it. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes commitment. And, and you'll notice here in the scripture we read, let me just kind of, Paul said, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. There's a reason behind studying, and it's more than just information. There's a reason behind it, and it's more than just information. Paul uses the word seducer here in verse 13. That word is goas in the Greek, and it means an imposter. We, we think of a seducer as someone, come on, come on, come on, and seduces you into doing something. But the word seducer means imposter. So he said there's going to be imposters that show up. So what is an imposter? Somebody's not real? Imposter. So I show up here with a Donald Trump mask and a suit and all that stuff. I'm an imposter of Donald Trump, but I'm not him. But, you know, I would like for you to, you know, if I could, if, if I could make it look real, I would, because then, you know, you would, Trump, 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 all that stuff. An imposter, an imposter is someone that presents themselves as something they're not. That's what an imposter. And Paul said, listen, this is going to happen. There are going to be those that showed up. And who is he talking to here? He's talking to his son in the gospel. Timothy. And who is he writing to here? His son in the gospel, Timothy, as well as the church. And he's telling us that there are going to be imposters, people that seem to be what they are, but they're not. That's, that's, you got to understand the critical thinking here. How can you tell if someone's an imposter? Huh? Oh, okay, knowing the genuine helps a whole lot, doesn't it? Knowing the genuine makes a big difference. Did you know that at any point in time in our government, there are five imposters of the president? Men who go to certain places and they pose as the president, but it's not the president for safety reasons, five. How do you find five guys that look even close to Trump? How do you get that hair working? How do you do that with Biden? I mean, maybe you teach somebody to walk like this. or They're imposters. They're not the real deal, but they're, they're there for a particular reason. And they pass off pretty well. Now, they have been, I remember with, with President Obama, one of them got popped. And he was on the late, the Tonight Show, you know, late night talk show. And, man, he looked pretty close, but he wasn't. But he, what I mean by popped, somebody said, that's not the president. And he got discovered. He was an imposter. So now he's, he's no longer that. He didn't have that job anymore because now everybody knows he's an imposter. So you know an imposter by the real deal, number one. How else would you know? There's an easy way to find out if someone's an imposter. You just pull off their costume. You just pull off their costume. What does that mean? Paul said there are going to be spiritual imposters. There are going to be people that have be people that have spiritual costumes. They're going to seem to be spiritual, but when you pull away the costume, you find out. And so, what is the costume in the church made of? It's pretty easy. What, what we're, to, we're to look and act and talk and be like Jesus Christ. And how do we learn how to do that? The Word. And so, an imposter 
will actually present the Word, but if it's not presented in the Word, and the only way to know this is to study it, because again, we can say and do things that sound, I can say and do things that sound godly. Uh, let me just give you one that everybody in America knows. God helps those who help themselves. Awesome. Nowhere in the Bible. Does God love a cheerful giver? How do you know? It's in the Bible. So the easiest way to find an imposter is just find out, is this in the book? How do you know if it's in the book? Well, I read it. Well, how do you know what you're reading? Because let me just give you one. We talked about it a few weeks ago, and I'm going to have to stop in the middle of this. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst also. Okay. That's, there's a scripture there, okay? What's the context of the scripture? It's reconciliation. It's not where you and three of us go to the mall and gather together, and now Jesus is in the midst, and man, we can just zat and rat and throw out the devil. And, uh, but that's what imposters do. They make you think now, because the three of you there together, you can go into the mall and just start doing all this stuff. That's not the context. The context is when a brother or sister sins against another brother or sister. The context is how to reconcile that situation. Now, again... There are, there are, it's like an onion. There, there are different methods to use this, but it has to be the same principle. It always has to be reconciliation. And going to the mall and casting out devils with people who don't care a one iota, is that reconciliation? So what I'm saying is we, we, there's a reason we study the Bible because imposters have put in put in their teachings in church today that these are the things we do by that scripture. That, I'm going to have to stop here. I'm not, I don't want to go over because I want to finish this. Does anybody have a thought process? Bishop, you need them. I'll meet you three quarters. <laughs> There's an underlying principle in this text. Paul tells Timothy, you've heard what my doctrine but you've also seen my manner of life. You only live what you study. You never live what you hear. You only live what you study. So he's telling Timothy, study to show thyself approved because you've, you've heard what I've taught, but I, it's matched with what I live. You only live what you study. We'll end here, and we'll go again next week with some more of this. Anybody have anything really quick? Okay. No doubts, fears, unbeliefs. No stones, no sticks. Okay. Let's take a little time before worship. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.